0: This podcast is for all the seekers out there and I sincerely hope you enjoy. Hello Soul Tribe, welcome to Spirit Talk. I hope you're all doing well. I have heard from a few of you over Instagram, over email. I just love each and every message I get from you. It means the world to me. It really does and it helps me show up here and spread my own light and and chat about what I love and I hope you guys are all spreading your light. To be honest, I've not been feeling my best for a little while. And that's turning around a lot now. And it helps that the sun has come out. I really do love where I live. It's stunning. It's gorgeous. It's green. (laughs) But this year has been a bit lackluster for me. And now that the sun is out, I realize, oh, yeah, I've been feeling like shit. Because it's literally been cloudy for months and months and months. The older I get, the more that seems to affect me. (laughs) Of course, when it's happening, I don't realize that that is why. (laughs) Retrospect is always 2020, but I'm going to learn from this and uh, try to, maybe I'll get one of those lights. There's these UV ring lights. Anyway, the older I get, this seems to affect me more. and, And I know seasonal affective disorder is a real thing, but I honestly feel like every human has that. If they have enough cloud, they'll experience it. (laughs) Anyone who lives in a place where the sun does not poke through the clouds very often at all will understand that our moods can really match the weather. And when it's really gloomy for so long, I start to feel that way too. So I'm really happy to report that the sun is out today. And in my neck of the woods, people are seriously happy. (laughs) People like, I just got back from a walk with my, my dog, and, and people are smiling and waving. <laughs> so that's awesome. Yeah, it feels really, really good. I'm, I'm feeling great. Today we have a QA episode. Woohoo! This has been a long time coming. I'm answering your questions. And this seriously feels like quite a milestone for me personally. I love that this little soul tribe community is growing slowly but surely and this episode feels like we're coming together in a, in a in a way. You guys had such interesting questions and I feel like wow, I'm really attracting my my people, my kind of people. I love these questions. And through this podcast, we're just we're gathering up our little tribe. I just love it. Thank you for sending in questions. Everything I teach or I talk about in this podcast is A general recommendation, something that works for me or something that feels right to me philosophically or something that I've learned. So please take what resonates and leave the rest. Everything I talk about on every episode, test it. If you found something for yourself that works better or you don't resonate with the philosophy I speak of, that's totally fine. Find what works for you. And even if you find what works for you, keep keep trying new ways and new methods and, and you'll find even better ways too. I'm, I'm experiencing that lately. I speak for my own experiences and what I pick up from my higher self and my guides. And I encourage you to feel into things for yourself. Try, test, seek, create your own methods and ideas. And this podcast is about learning and growing together and building this little soul tribe community. And, and so take things with a grain of salt. Nobody th- has things 100% right 100% of the time. That's my little disclaimer because I myself have taken people's word as fact without testing them or thinking outside the box for myself and, and that took a bit of my power away before I figured out on my own different methods and ways of doing things and when I see that happening to people, it makes me cringe. Ooh, I know that's their journey and you can't interject all the time, but I would hate for information I give to not work for somebody and then they think it's them or their fault so try it test it think about it feel into it there's so much nuance to how we perceive spirit which is why we all do have to figure out our own ways and of course talking to spirit and working with spirit on a daily basis is extremely helpful for that okay so I'm going to get right into the questions for this episode These questions came from the Facebook group, emails I've received, and and DMs on Instagram. And you can find all the links to those things in the show notes. If you like the show, please consider giving a five-star review or a rating. It really helps tremendously. Thank you. On to the questions. From Karen. I want to ask, what is it like when you don't feel grounded? You were using a party as an example. Sometimes I wonder if I've been ungrounded a lot in my life. That sounds weird, but my mind can be kind of airy-fairy a lot. Mm -hmm. Karen, I think this is a really good question because I feel like a lot of people are ungrounded at times without realizing it. I certainly was, and I'm still learning through this, but enough time has passed that I am able to speak to this. Okay. So some folks are naturally more grounded than others. That's what I have observed and come to know, um, through my own awareness of myself and, and seeing others and talking about this. For example, me, I, earth is the smallest, the least represented element in both, actually both my astrological and numerological, numerological charts. So yeah, some folks just are very grounded, some aren't. When I was really early in psychic development, intentional psychic development, I was, to use the (laughs) the term that Karen did, airy-fairy. I was like airy-fairy as heck. And I had no idea. My spiritual practice at that time consisted mainly of meditation and reading. Not doing readings, but reading books. So a lot of my spare time was spent in my head or in psychic realms, so to speak. (laughs) Now I'm much more conscious of my need for grounding and I get really intentional about it because if I don't, I can really float away and become somewhat disconnected from life. So it's just a part of my nature not to be well grounded. And at that time, I was ungrounded for long periods of time. I wouldn't have said I felt bad at all. I rather enjoyed being in my own world in a sense. But now that I do spend time intentionally grounding my energy and spend most of my time in my body, I see a big difference between now and then. It actually doesn't feel amazing being airy fairy too often. I just really I didn't know any better. I didn't realize what I needed was grounding. Nobody is really meant to be so floaty all the time. We're in this human incarnation to be a part of the world. And when ungrounded, it's almost like you aren't fully in. If you know what I mean? I hope I'm making sense. So, Karen's question is, what does it feel like? That's kind of hard to describe, but like I guess at this point, I've had enough awareness about myself and my energy that I, I can tell I need grounding when I feel unfocused, spacey, a bit forgetful, thinking only really big picture and, and skipping out on details, floating away on my own esoteric thoughts when I actually have things that I need to attend to, like kind of being away um i could i could get headaches and it on it felt like all of my life force energy to use a reiki term was from my chest up literally away from the ground when ungrounded i don't quite feel how i should in my body i feel kind of weak kind of tired when i'm in the state i'm really not taking in the earth's energy as i should and there are way too many thoughts going on. <laughs> and too many thoughts, it, it's not a good thing, even though that might sound counterintuitive to some folks. Too many thoughts, that's not great. You do need space in your, in your mind, in your brain. And when I realized that I had been quite ungrounded for so long, or at least my baseline level was generally ungrounded, I figured out that, oh, Grounding is so important. Now I include things into my spiritual practice that help me with these things. Self Reiki. That's huge. Um, But most importantly, when I notice I'm quite ungrounded, I set my intention. Intention is everything. Intention is everything. Because I could take all the nature walks and salt baths in the world before and still not get the grounding effect And now with intention, I do my grounding activities and it's a game changer and I can really get woo woo with it and imagine the earth's energy as little green globes of light coming into my energy field. I also imagine my own light body as bright from my head to my toes and ensure that I root my energy into the earth. If I've been particularly ungrounded, I ensure that my my meditations are not ones where I'm leaving the earth plane to to do astral travel or, you know, visit outside of the earth, which I do. I do love. And I probably was doing a lot of that when I was living ungrounded. So. I will make sure my my meditations are not leaving my body, in other words, basically. Um, instead, I'll focus on the earth, the trees, the rocks, and I'll soak in that energy. So with my awareness of a need for balance and grounding, I feel more human, if that makes sense. I realized that I was giving my soul a bit too long of a leash most of the time. And spiritually speaking, our soul gets the most of our out of our experience as humans, while in the body, not stuck in the mind and in the ethers. And we really are meant to anchor our souls into our bodies. And a lovely side effect has been growing my clairsentience and living more of a heart centered life. It's not easier, but it is better. Being grounded helps us love the bodies that we're in as well. So I hope that answers your question. That was kind of a long one uh, answer for your question, Karen. Airy fairy is a perfect (laughs) term for it because that is how it feels. Just kind of spacey. Next question. Allison asks, what role or powers do fairies represent to our spiritual help network? Wow. I feel like fairies and elementals could definitely be a part of another dimension that we're able to sometimes get a glimpse of or something to that effect. And I feel like for the most part, people are able to kind of say, Oh, fairies, that doesn't exist, or or they're not aware of them because perhaps they live on a different plane or something like that. Who knows? I haven't gone super deep into this topic myself yet anyway, but I am drawn to the fun and lighthearted area of fairies. I recently bought a fairy oracle deck and also a little fairy statue for one of my shelves, which is really more of an altar with plants and pictures and things. I will say that people with the life path four or lots of four in their numerology tend to be really good at tapping into the fairy world. I'd even... I'd even bet that the listener who asked this, Allison, is a four. As far as um, do they do they represent what do they represent to our spiritual help network? Hmm. I think anything and everything. There are all kinds of different beings, and I think that it is completely possible that some people could have fairies or sprites as a part of their spirit team. I would say they come in and out, and different fairies could help you based on what you need in your life and what their abilities are and their strengths are when I tune into this I get the word helpers and you literally said what part of our spiritual help network so I feel like you answered the question they're little helpers fairies can be our helpers Def- different fairies for different reasons and why not really cool question I don't have a ton on phrase so you know what let me pull a card I'm gonna, I got that fairy oracle deck I'm gonna grab it and I'm gonna pull a card out of it See what fairy comes up. All right. This is Oracle of the Fairies by Karen Kay. See what comes up for us today. Ooh, Light the fairy queen of light comes to shed love and light onto your current situation and to remind you that light can penetrate the darkness. Woo! (laughs) I love that. And it shows a beautiful female fairy with purple and green gowns and wings and a crown of something. Antlers? Anyway, she's very beautiful and she's in a dark forest And she's all lit up. She's light. So that's cool because I was just literally talking about the sun and how it affects us and how I need that light in my life. So really, really cute. Um, And all these cards are different types of fairies and different fairies. If you are drawn to fairies, I recommend a fairy oracle deck. All right. On to the next one. Melissa asks or says, I would love to hear about Spiritual Awakening. Based off your thoughts from your post in this group in October. Okay. I looked back and I guess I did a little post about what does a spiritual awakening mean to you? You guys, you guys did not hold back on the deep questions. Thank you, Melissa. An awakening or a reawakening as I sometimes call it. I like to call it a reawakening because really it is us remembering our our soul's information. It's... It's not like our soul is ever not awake. Um, But in this human body, we have this kind of like um, amnesia, which is is put in place for a reason. And it's part of the design. That's why I call it reawakening, because it really is just remembering what our soul knows. Um, It's not something everybody goes through. So some people, they do kind of stay in the 3D matrix type way of life without waking up, so to speak. That is to say, they kind of go about life without realizing that we're all divine beings with immense potential and we're all connected and come from the same source. So sometimes I feel a bit sad for the people who who don't get to wake up. There are definitely stages to awakening. Usually there's a period of time when people feel like they're going nuts. (laughs) They see the world like nobody else does. Sometimes that's what it feels like. And there's also often a period where a person who is new to this, this new perspective on the world and, and their own life and being awake feels so different and they feel like they know something that nobody else does and they can get into their ego wanting to shake everyone else awake. Eventually they they realize this doesn't work. I definitely did go through this. I wanted everybody to wake up <laughs> selfishly because it, it did feel a little discombobulating. So, and, so people who go through this, they, they realize it doesn't work. People, people can't force another person to wake up. But what you can do is shine so brightly that it illuminates the path for others. A person who is awake takes care of themselves, their own vibration, their own healing, and really lives an aligned life. Those people are incredibly attractive. They kind of gather people to their light. That is how we can wake people up. Not by preaching to them or getting angry that they don't see things correctly, quote, but um, by living the best, most awakened life possible. Easier said than done, but true. As wonderful as awakening can be, it can feel tough. There are challenges that come along with it. And awakening can be activated in a number of different ways. For some, it's losing a loved one or having a near-death experience. For others, it could be reading a book that kicks off an awakening. Some people meet a person in their life that stirs up an awakening. I'm thinking about twin flames and soulmates and karmic connections. The awakening process is when somebody becomes aware of something deeper. There's more to life than this. They're looking for a meaning of life. Before awakening, if somebody said everything is one, we're all connected, it wouldn't resonate the way it does after an awakening. When someone does begin to wake up, they they see things in their life differently. That could mean that they're forced to kind of shed things like their own bullshit, (laughs) behaviors, masks they've been wearing, how they identify themselves. They can also experience relationships falling apart because they're really no longer a vibrational match or childhood wounds rise up for healing. Basically, awakening can feel difficult because the shedding process can feel painful, but ultimately it makes us shine brighter. It's like there's this kind of rusty patina that gets polished off. We discover parts of ourselves that we didn't know were there. The shadow. There are parts of ourselves that we we don't know because we ignored it, bypassed it, were ashamed of it, or whatever. And when we're facing these things after an awakening, we become brighter and more whole even just facing them, even just acknowledging them. When we integrate them and stop ignoring them, it allows us to become more truly who we are as a whole, rather than a bunch of fragmented parts. And that's when life really becomes miraculous and beautiful. And we become a person who radiates joy and love. Someone who has gone through an awakening often has much more compassion for people. They see that people who are acting rude or nasty are are suffering on the inside. They get less reactive and awakened people really are more heart-centered. I personally have had a very long and intense awakening process. There are many, many layers to it and it's not a linear path at all. Sometimes I feel like I'm three steps back from where I was a few years ago. Um, That's kind of the deal for me. And it's been quite drawn out. And I feel that's because I'm a person who's becoming a way shower, an illuminator, a healer. And it's part of the path that I chose before I came to this life. It's been tough, but I'm very, very grateful for it. Everyone's awakening is unique. Some wake up completely in an instant. I think of teachers like Eckhart Tolle, who woke up pretty much in in one day. <laughs> um, and not to say that there wasn't still a bit of a process, but he's pretty much egoless, and that just kind of happened. For others, it can take months or years or days or weeks. Either way, going through a spiritual awakening is a true gift. And to me, it's a sign that really following your soul's curriculum beautifully. Um, That's kind of, I guess, how I would answer that question. There's a lot to that. that, that could be a whole episode, I guess. And I will talk more about awakening for sure. It really lights me up. I just feel bright and light when I talk about that. Okay, from Tina, here's another question. I've noticed that many of the characteristics of an empath or highly sensitive person are quite similar to those of autism. Is there a correlation or significance to the similarities? Ooh, I'm not a specialist on autism at all or any neurodivergence, but I have always felt there is something really special about people with autism. Is there a correlation? Yeah, I'd say. Highly sensitive people and empaths have a lot in common with people with autism. I mean, it's called a spectrum disorder for a reason. Both autism and high sensitivity shows up differently in people. And I feel like true empaths and HSPs can communicate with people who are on the spectrum in a special way. Um, There's kind of like an unspoken bond there. My son has a friend from school who has autism and... He is so incredibly sweet and special. He really sees people for who they are. I feel like he's in close touch with a layer of our world that most people ignore or or aren't even, don't even have access to. And I love him for that. In in fact, I, I really feel that there are people who are labeled as mentally ill or disordered. And really that is our world not understanding them and the fact that they are often gifted with superpowers that we have no words or labels for. So that part of it, it it doesn't get highlighted as, as much in our society as the clinical scientific um, behavioral science kind of ways of approaching it. That's really all I have to say. Oh, yeah. There is something interesting about I do medical transcription, so that's where I write up medical reports for people's charts, and that's for all the hospitals in Vancouver, and there is an area of Vancouver with with really high um, drug use mental illness, the downtown east side it's called, and um, there are a lot of people who are in their mental illness and in their um, mania and and stuff like that, too. I know that's not autism, but it makes me think of this, who talk about things like I, I get privy to the conversations that they're having with psychiatrists. And some of the quotes that I literally write out that they have said have a lot to do with that they can see things how they can see things differently. And it is explained away as, you know, mental disorders. Maybe it is. Maybe it is that, but I do feel there is something to it. Sure, maybe their brains aren't wired the same way, but there is talk about God. There's talk about universe stuff. There's talk about different dimensions. Some people might call me batshit crazy, you know, and I I don't use that term crazy very often. So, yes, I do think there is correlations from empaths, highly sensitive people and autism, and I also think there is a lot to how people perceive things and how that's taken in our world. Not so well so far still, but it, it's, it is getting better. Thanks for the question, Tina. Jesse asks, do we have a single soulmate? I've always thought that it's likely that there are more than one per person, which kind of makes sense in light of learning about soul groups. Oh, Yes. We have soulmates, plural. A soulmate does not have to be a romantic partner, a husband, a wife, a girlfriend, boyfriend situation. We can go into each other's lives as friends, family, teachers, basically anything as a soulmate. I feel that soulmates are members of our soul groups we have you know a small group of souls who we incarnate with time and time again that is my belief my spiritual philosophy remember what i said if it doesn't feel right then that's fine we are we are together when we aren't in life and we learn and grow at different paces but remain together for as long as we're on the same general level essentially Meaning, yes, some souls could leave our group as they advance and join different soul groups who are at their level. But I don't want to get into the weeds on that. Let me stay with your question, Jesse. We all have soulmates. I can say most, if not all of you listening, have a few soulmates in your life right now. There are different dynamics between us and each one of our soulmates. We aren't without personality on a soul level. So yeah, human incarnation to incarnation, our personality can shift and change a little bit, but at our core on a soul level, we do have personalities and we all have our own unique bonds based on our relationships we've had throughout many different lives with our soulmates. And also sure, there are soulmates who tend to come in as partners more than anything. Some just enjoy the dynamic of learning with this soul as a married couple or lovers or whatever. But that doesn't mean everyone marries their soulmate. I think that's more rare than anything. Even if you are a soul who likes to incarnate many times with the same soul as a partner, then their role changes all the time. One, one time their husband or wife or both women or both men, you get the idea. It's not... It's not like they say, well, I'm the man and you're the woman again. And um, that wouldn't be conducive for learning and growing. And that is the whole point of of being a human (laughs) is to learn and grow as a soul. And it is is pretty rare for souls to always come in as partners or not. I don't even think there are ones that always come in as partners. There's so many lives that souls live. But there are definitely soulmates who prefer to come in as partners when they can. Usually soul groups would switch up their human relationships through many incarnations. For example, I have a cousin who I've been married to in the past. I also, I've been my son's husband in the past and he was uh, my wife. You get the idea. It can get really wild and and really blow your mind when you think about that. So yeah, soulmates I don't think of as in the way that traditionally it is spoken about in the media and stuff like that, where, oh, you're my soulmate when it comes to romantic relationships. um, I think they're a little bit of everything. And I love that question. I feel like there are definitely more to come on soul groups, soulmates, twin flames and all that. If you have more questions on that, help me out to give me some inspiration on a whole episode on that stuff, please. Thank you, Jessica, for the for the question. Laurel has a question. Please give more tips and tricks on communicating with guides. Ha! Guides, love it. Love, love, love it. No problem. First things first, I feel like you all know what I'm going to say. Intention. It's important. It's very important. So much so that apparently I need to sing it every time I, I say it. If you want to get in touch with your guides or guide, you need to set the intention. This can be done in different ways. I actually like to state it out loud. In the past, I would have said, you know, you can, you can think it, you can do whatever you want. and And that is true. But I have come to realize through maybe my guides, I guess, I don't even know how, that actually saying it out loud is more powerful. It is more powerful. So something like, guides, I know you're here with me. I would like to get to know you and communicate more with you. Simple, easy as that. Then you really need to be radically open to whatever comes. Heck, we just talked about fairies being guides, right? So try to try to wash your mind of any ideas that might be in there from whatever you've seen or heard or whatever and really just be open. Trust what comes through then. Trust is huge. Like if you've made your statement and you get a vision in your third eye of a figure, don't talk yourself out of it and logically explain away What this is, you've just asked for your guide communication and dang it, you are getting it. (laughs) I've literally heard people tell me this. So I was like, girl, you just saw your guide. (laughs) Anyway, um, I just picked one thing like envisioning a figure, but it could be something else that comes to you, a color, a message that you've read over and over and over, a name, a song, The list of possibilities is endless on how guides can communicate with you and your psychic skills aren't just about your senses. It's also about being open and aware to the messages coming through in other ways, like a song. If you're hearing lyrics, I just talked about this in a reading. Interesting. Um, If you're hearing lyrics or hearing songs, maybe they are communicating to you in that way. could be loved ones, could be guides. Um, But if you're asking for guides and then you hear a song maybe three, four times, or you even hear it clairaudiently, um, there's something there. So this is why being open is key. You can try to force it and ask for a very specific symbol, but that won't always work. So be flexible. I hear of so many people who want to communicate with guides and set their intention, and then they keep getting the same sign and ignoring it. Meanwhile, their guides are banging their heads against the wall. (laughs) So the openness really, really, really is key. And here's the biggest thing. You have to make time. In this busy hustle bustle world, intention and trust are great. But they're really not always enough, especially when you're first setting out to hear from guides. It's important that you actually set aside time. If you've asked your guide to communicate and then are driving to work, busy at work and then from work, you're busy with other stuff, your kids or your family or whatever, then you're very tired from the day. And in the midst of all this, you're communicating with people in your life. And where is the time? Where's the time for hearing your guide? <laughs> I suggest setting aside time specifically for getting in touch with your guides. Meditating is a great way to start start off because a clearer mind makes way for that very subtle nature of how spirit comes through. You could sit in silence and see what comes to you, or you could ask very specific questions and see what comes. You could have a pen and paper and write at the top messages from my guide. And just start automatic writing for a while, whatever feels natural to you, um, whatever you're guided to do, (laughs) see what happens. And my point really is that setting aside dedicated time to this is important when starting out and not to just do it once, but for really as, you know, as long as it takes of getting a sense of your guide's essence. Then it becomes easier to know their energy. And when you are in traffic or at work or on a nature walk, eventually you can get messages from your guide anywhere while doing anything because you know their energy and how they communicate with you. And really there is no end to this. You know, it's like, it's like a marriage. You're still learning about somebody 20 years in, you know, you never fully know somebody, but you do really know their energy and you know if they walk into a room you probably know who it is so it it starts out really subtle really subtle and and once you get it the ball rolling a little bit um it gets easier but try not to have expectations when i talk about my guides i know a lot of people hear my words like oh i i got that information from my guide and think that i'm special because i can hear or talk or communicate with my guide, but really everyone has that possibility. I've had a very long time of communicating with my one, one guide in particular that I work with the most. So be easy on yourself. Try not to expect too much. It's, um, it's a long, never ending journey. (laughs) And thank you for asking this question. I love talking about guides. I love my guide so much. I almost cry every time I talk about (laughs) them. Um, And uh, as I'm talking right now, uh, so how he comes into my energy field, (laughs) I feel like he's like, hey, you're talking about me. And he he just came into my, my like aura, my energy field. So just behind me and to the right, that's how he comes in for me. So experiment with it. I do notice that that's how guides come through for a lot of different people. I've um, felt it when doing readings and things like that. Um, but not everybody. So try it out. You could just do that as an experiment is sit there and just feel your own aura and energy field and feel, Oh, is somebody coming in? And it does very much feel, this is the one thing that feels like real life or like human life. When somebody's standing next to you, if you had your eyes closed and your loved one was standing in your aura, you'd, you'd know. Right, so even if they're not touching you, and that is exactly what it feels like, and he's with me right now. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Share your guide stories with me, guys, please. Do you have guide stories? I want to hear about it. Speaking of stories, I want to share. I'm gonna do a second part Q and A for all the mediumship and psychic questions. These questions were kind of like the um, philosophical questions, and and. There's tons of mediumship and and psychic questions too. That'll be on uh, part two, okay? So back to this. There's a story I want to share, a low-key psychic story shared from a listener, okay? Hello, Brandy. I just finished listening to your episode from January 17th, 2022, Low-Key Psychic. I thought I would write and share a story from last Friday. Earlier in the week, my grandpa, dad's dad, Was on my mind a lot. Of the grandparents, I was closest to him. On the Friday, a co-worker's husband brought her some sweets from a bakery. A specific bakery that my grandpa would take me to when I was little. She gives me this box with two sweets we used to ride to the bakery to get. It made me smile. I miss him tons. Love what you're doing. Thank you for all you do. (laughs) So she thought she thought of her grandpa. Oh shoot! I don't know her name. I didn't. I didn't catch that. Hold on. Came through on Instagram from uh, January. That's the handle. I don't know if that's a real name, but that's that's who it came through from. So her gra- she was thinking of her grandpa that she was close with. And somebody brought her sweets, the exact sweets from the exact bakery that he would have. I feel like this is all orchestrated. And, and this is like, um, this is a message from him that this was the sweets were brought from him. So, and it's amazing how this, how this all works. We have really no idea how this all works, but It's so heartwarming and thank you so much for sharing. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Uh, There were a few questions about children and spirit and I feel like that's a whole episode so that'll come out. Children and spirit will come out at some point. Sorry, I am um, all over the map with when I post episodes and all this. It's just... It's how it fits into my life right now, guys. It works for me. I don't want to force this. It's all intuitive type work. And I just, anyway, I'm blabbing now. The next one will be mediumship and psychic questions. Thanks, guys. Thanks for tuning in. If you're new here, wow, you picked a cool episode to jump in on. Um, And if you're returning, thank you. Love you. Until we meet again.